Well, good evening, church family, and it's great to be back with you this evening. Thank you for coming out once again. Those of you who have been so faithful in coming out to join with the series on spiritual renewal. Sunday morning we spoke about the vital signs of spiritual health, and Sunday evening the visible signs of spiritual health, and then last evening we spoke about the key to spiritual health, living out the Lord's Prayer, and this evening we're going to look at the journey into spiritual health, and then we'll close out tomorrow evening looking at the goal of spiritual health. And so please come back tomorrow evening. We're trusting that the Lord will have saved the best wine until last. God bless you. Let's bow together in prayer. Our God and Father, we rejoice this evening in the precious blood of Jesus that has been shed for our salvation. How we thank you, Lord, that we can be washed whiter than snow through the precious blood of Jesus shed for us on the cross nearly 2,000 years ago, but still availing for us this evening. And so it is through the merits of Jesus' blood and righteousness that we gather once again this evening to worship in spirit and in truth and to wait upon you in your word in the realization that spiritual things are spiritually discerned. How we thank you that your word written in the Bible is God-breathed and useful in every way possible so that we can be fully equipped to be followers of Jesus Christ in our world. And so once again this evening we wait upon you saying, Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. May the Holy Spirit come now and take the things of Christ and reveal them to us. And may we leave this place this evening different because of a fresh encounter with the Lord Jesus. It is our prayer that you would take each one of us continually along this journey into the fullness of your blessing. We pray that we may be strengthened with all power by your Holy Spirit in our innermost being so that Christ may resign and reign within our hearts and that we, through faith and in fellowship with all of your people, may know all the dimensions of the wonderful love of Christ and be filled with all the fullness of God we thank you tonight that you are the God who is able, able to do immeasurably more than all that we can ask or even imagine by your mighty power that is at work within us. So let there be glory in your church. Let there be glory in this church as your manifest presence is witnessed by a waiting world, a watching world outside. And so use this time this evening to make us what we ought to be, what you have redeemed us for, and grant our Father that we may become more the salt of the earth and the light of the world because you are so graciously and powerfully at work in every dimension of our life. 
day by day. May Jesus Christ be praised. And all God's people agreed with his prayer and said, Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible or if you'd like to turn to the Pew Bible, we're in 2 Kings chapter 2 in this fascinating story. It's certainly one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament, a story about Elijah being taken up into heaven. And I'm going to read and follow along with me, if you would, in 2 Kings chapter 2 and reading from verse 1. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men of the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak and rolled it up and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you? before I am taken from you. Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them apart. He picked up the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and went back and stood at the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak that had fallen from him and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? he asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. The company of the prophets from Jericho who were watching said, The spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. 
And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. Just so far, and may God bless his word to us this evening. I know you are paying attention as you listened and followed this passage of Scripture, and that you would notice two things that kind of leap out at you from this passage. The first thing you noticed was that every single place mentioned here was highly significant in the life history of God's people. And the next thing you noticed was that Elijah was testing Elisha to see how far he would go in this journey to spiritual health, this journey into the fullness of the blessing of God. Elijah said to him when they were at Gilgal, stay here, Elisha. And Elisha said, no ways, man. And so they went to Bethel. And at Bethel, Elijah said to Elisha, stay here at Bethel. And again, Elisha said, not on your life. I'm not going to leave you. And so they went to Jericho. And now at Jericho, there are a company of 50 prophets that are almost taunting Elisha with the news that his master was going to be taken from him that very day. And once again, Elijah said to his protege, Elisha, stay here at Jericho because I'm going to the Jordan. And Elisha said once again, as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. And so the two of them walked on. And they came to the Jordan, and the river was in flood. They came to the place where only God can get you through. And Elijah took his cloak, and he struck the waters, and God once again parted the waters of the river Jordan. And the two of them went across on dry ground. And do you know what's on the other side? It's wilderness. And in that place where Elijah now saw that Elisha was willing to go anywhere, do anything, pay any price, where he saw that now Elisha was absolutely desperate and would pay whatever price was involved to know the fullness of the blessing of God upon his life that Elijah experienced. At that point, only at that point, did he ask the question, what is it that you want from me? Elisha. And he said, oh, I want a double portion of the Spirit that is resting on you. It seems to me that in this Christian journey into the fullness of the blessing of God, the Lord in His grace, mercy, sovereignty, and wisdom 
allows us some choices. God has made us free agents. God has given us a will. And even though that will has been affected by the fall, as has every part of our being, we still remain in the place where God honors the choices that we make for better or for worse. And so it is in the journey into the fullness of God. Join me in this journey this evening. See where you are. See how far you've come. See how far you're willing to go. That's the challenge this evening. The same challenge that Elijah gave to Elisha. To put it simply, my friend, how far will you go with God? What price are you willing to pay to know a double portion of God's Spirit in your life? They start out at Gilgal. Gilgal is the place of beginnings. It's a wonderful place. You remember Gilgal? It's the place where Moses sent the spies to check out the land of promise. And you remember how the spies went through into the land of promise and they went to the region of Gilgal. It was also the place where Joshua set up the base of all the operations of Israel as they conquered the promised land. In spiritual terms, it's the place of beginnings. Wonderful place, Gilgal. It was a place of remembrance. You will recognize as you read the story of Israel's progress across the Jordan into the promised land that when they had crossed the river Jordan, God told Joshua to tell the people to take out 12 stones from the dry riverbed and to place those stones in an altar of remembrance so that the children of Israel would remember how God led them out of Egypt and through the wilderness and across the river Jordan parting the waters so that maybe nearly two million people could cross the River Jordan. And there on the other side, this altar was set up, one stone for each tribe of Israel that had come out of Egypt so that they would remember once and forever that they were delivered under the mighty hand of God from bondage and slavery in Egypt. It was not only a place of remembrance, it was a place of renunciation. You remember it was at Gilgal that the rite of circumcision was instituted and carried out, symbolizing the fact for the Israelites that the reproach of Egypt had been cut off, that never again would they have to be slaves Never again would they have to live in darkness and in bondage. The reproach of Egypt had been cut off and rolled away. 
It was a place of renunciation. The old was gone, the new had come. It was also a place of restoration. There the Passover was celebrated as they remembered how that fateful night in Egypt the angel of death had passed over the land and the blood of the sacrificial lambs of the Israelites had saved the firstborn of Israel from certain death. And it was Gilgal where they commemorated the Passover and entered into the fellowship of this covenant-making, covenant-keeping God who had redeemed them through the blood of the sacrificial lamb. Gilgal was also the place of realization. It was there that they were no longer now led by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. No longer were they fed with manna that fell from heaven. Now they had to walk by faith and in obedience to the revealed will and word of God. Gilgal was also a place of revelation. It was there that the commander of the armies of the Lord appeared to Joshua, and there came over him the daunting realization that although there would be conflict, there would be conquest. Because when you're following the heavenly commander, the commander of the armies of heaven, every step you take is a step of victory and conquest. Wonderful place, Gilgal. And for the Christian, Gilgal represents first base. It re represents that glorious experience where we came out of darkness into God's marvelous light, where we came out of bondage, the bondage of Satan and self-centeredness and sin, delivered through the blood of God's Lamb, Jesus, into the freedom and the fullness of a brand new life, born again, born of the Spirit, into the family of God. Gilgal represents that place where we came in repentance to the Lord and found forgiveness and restoration in a covenant relationship with Almighty God, where from now on we would walk by faith and not by sight and in obedience to our Lord. Gilgal, the place of beginnings, representing the fact that we have turned from our own way. We have repented of our sin. We have placed our trust in Christ alone. We have received the blessing of forgiveness. The blood of Christ has availed for us. The Spirit of God has come into our lives. And we have been born again. And the reproach of the old life has been put away, buried and gone in baptism. And we've been raised up to a new life in Jesus Christ. But you know what the problem is? The problem in the world today is that there are not too few Christians. The problem is there are too many Christians. 
who are staying at Gilgal, the place of beginnings, saved and satisfied, and making no further progress. That's the blight of the body of Christ in the 21st century. Christians who are stuck at first base. Stay here, Elisha, at Gilgal. And he says, no ways. I want to go on in this journey into the fullness of God. And I pray that that's what you're saying this evening. You see, the problem that the writer to the Hebrews has as he writes that letter in the New Testament is that the Hebrew believers are simply staying at Gilgal. They're spiritual babies. They're just going over and over and over again week by week, Sunday by Sunday, with the elementary teachings of the Christian faith, instead of advancing to maturity. It was the problem the Apostle Paul encountered when he wrote to the Christians at Corinth and said, I'd love to be able to write to you as mature believers. Your problem is you're still spiritual babies. You're behaving like the world half the time. And I can't address you as spiritual. It's the problem of the Galatian churches where the Apostle Paul has to write and say, I'm like a mother about to give birth. I'm experiencing these labor pains until Christ be formed in you. You stupid Galatians, you have begun so well. Who has bewitched you that you are staying in the place of beginnings, going backwards instead of forwards? It's a massive problem in the church of Jesus Christ, especially in the so-called first world, western world where Christianity is so easy and so comfortable. And so they go on to Bethel. Bethel, the place of dreams and visions. And immediately we think of Jacob, do we not? And the vision that Jacob has, a ladder reaching up to heaven, and the angels of God ascending and descending on the ladder. And God says to Jacob, the deceiver, the twister, I will not leave you until I have fulfilled every promise that I have made to you. Man, if God can say that to Jacob, the deceiver, the twister. Somebody said he was so twisted he was like a corkscrew that when they buried him, they didn't have to put him in a grave, they just screwed him into the ground. <laughs> if God can say to Jacob, 
I will not leave you until I have fulfilled every promise that I've made to you. I believe he's saying that to you and to me tonight. Despite our inadequacy, our weakness, our failure, our frailty, God is saying to you tonight, I want you to come into this journey, into my fullness, and I'll be faithful to fulfill every single promise that I've ever made in my word, if you'll only trust me and obey. And don't get stuck where you are in your Christian experience. Bethel, wonderful to be at that place of dreams and visions. You know what the problem is? There are thousands of churches that are just stuck there. I visit churches in the United States and the vision statement and the mission statements, they're all there. They were put there 20 years ago, but nothing's changed. They haven't moved on with God advancing the kingdom of God. It's no good having dreams and visions of what God can do and wants to do in your life as an individual and as a church if you don't follow through with the vision. The Old Testament says you must run with it. The Apostle Paul says, I haven't attained what I'm striving toward yet. But this one thing I do, forgetting what is past, I bring all my energies to bear on this one thing that I might attain the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. In the words of the hymn, I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. God helping me. We're going on to fulfill the vision that God has given to us of reaching the nations of the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The vision is clear. The mission is clear. From your Jerusalem, through your Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth, the mission couldn't be more clear. The vision couldn't be more just wonderful to think that God wants to use you and wants to use me and wants to use Boiling Springs Baptist Church to advance His kingdom from your Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. That's the mission. That's the vision. From where you stay to all the people groups of the earth, that's the grand and glorious vision. The church is the hope of the world. God doesn't have a plan B. We're it. And if we fail, we fail. And God's vision and mission for the world fails. 
Every time we pray, as we mentioned last night, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are giving ourselves in intercession and prayer and service and commitment and witness to joining God in His ministry of world redemption. Stay here at Bethel, the place of dreams and visions. Elisha says, no ways. I'm not going to stay here. As wonderful as Bethel is, the house of God, and the place of dreams and visions, I'm going to go with you, Elisha, to the end of this journey into the fullness of God. And so they go to Jericho. And you remember Jericho, that fortified, guarded, impregnable city that confronted the Israelites as they crossed the Jordan and began the conquest of the promised land. And God's strange strategy of victory, how that the army and the seven priests blowing their shofars and the Ark of the Covenant and the rear guard were to march around the city in a day and then go back to base camp. And then day two, the same strange strategy. Round the city they went again. And day three, and day four, and day five, and day six. John Calvin says in his commentary as a military maneuver, it was worse than useless. Dr. Alan Redpath says in his commentary, God made them march around that fortified city until they died to every hope of conquest unless God did it. And day seven, around they go seven times and then the command is given and the shofar sound and the shout goes up and God himself caves the walls of Jericho and the impregnable city is conquered. Jericho, the place of past victory. Do you know what the problem is in the Christian church? Too many Christians camped at Jericho. You ask them to give their testimony and they tell you about what happened 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And that's wonderful. But you know as well as I do the, the problem with past victories. They grow old and they lose their joy. God is the God of present victory, amen? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The best is yet to be. The greatest conquests are yet to be won. Clothed in complete armor, there's no limit to what one person can do who is wholly aligned to God and wholly surrendered to the Lord. Stay at Jericho. That's one of Satan's strategies. Stay at the place of past victory. Don't go any further. 
Rest on your laurels now. The devil says, you've done well getting this far. Now just stay there. And do you notice now the journey into the fullness of God is usually a very solitary journey. The two of them walked on. Fifty of the prophets of Jericho criticized Elisha for wanting to be unusual and go on with Elijah. Don't be surprised, dear friend, if you find the journey into the fullness of God a very lonely and solitary journey. Not everyone will go with you when you want to spend hours in intercession. Not everyone will go with you when you want to get onto the coalface of witnessing for Christ. Not everyone will want to go with you when you sacrifice lavishly for the kingdom of God. Not everyone will go with you even though they call themselves Christians. I'm afraid you'll find that often there is suffering and persecution and very often the worst criticism comes from your own kind in the local church. The two of them walked on to the Jordan, the place where only God can get you through. And Elijah takes his cloak and he strikes the waters of the Jordan and God once again parts the waters and the two of them cross on dry ground. And then when they're on the other side and the floodwaters have come together again and they're in the place where the question is raised, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Can God cause streams to flow in the desert? And the answer is a thousand times yes. God delights to do what only God can do. And so when Elijah sees that Elisha is willing to go anywhere, do anything, pay any price, when he's willing to strip away every shred of self-righteousness and self-serving and pride, then and only then, when he sees that his protege is willing for full surrender to the Lord. Then he asks, what is it that you want me to do for you? And Elisha says, I want a double portion of the spirit that you have. And Elijah says, you've asked a very difficult thing, but if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours. Doesn't that remind you of the disciples of Jesus? He's just promised them 
that not many days from now they'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit and that when they're filled with the Holy Spirit of God, they will be endued with power from on high and be his witnesses from where they stay to the ends of the earth. Tarry in Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. And suddenly, there are horses and chariots of fire, and Elijah is taken up to heaven in a whirlwind. But his cloak falls to the ground, and Elisha, giving us a wonderful symbolism of stripping away every bit of self-sufficiency and self-righteousness and pride, and sin. He strips off his garments and takes the cloak of the prophet Elijah. And then he strikes the waters of the Jordan and says, where now is the God of Elijah? And once again, God does what only God can do. And he parts the waters of the Jordan and Elijah crosses, Elisha crosses on dry ground. And did you notice the difference now? Did you watch the prophets of Jericho now? They see Elisha now. And what do they say? The spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they bow to the ground before him. My friends, there is a world of difference between the Christian who is not filled with the fullness and the Spirit of God, sold out to Jesus Christ, anointed, endued, empowered by the Spirit of God, clothed with the authority of the Spirit of God and the Christian who isn't. Notice what happened. Notice the difference. Look at the results now as we close our sermon this evening. When Elisha has taken this journey into spiritual health, into the fullness of the blessing of God. See what happens now. Do you think these things would have happened if Elisha hadn't gone all the way with Elijah and received a double portion of his spirit? I very much doubt that any of these things on your screen would have happened. If Elisha had not gone all the way with God until he was clothed with power from on high, in Old Testament language had a double portion of the Spirit. The double portion was for princes. I've got good news for you tonight. We are made a kingdom of priests unto our God. And the Spirit of God is given to every single believer 
who is willing to take this journey into the fullness of God. It's a journey that only ends, and we'll talk about that tomorrow evening. But look what happens in Elisha's experience once he is clothed with power from on high. Jericho's waters are healed, and its land is now productive again. The valley of newly dug ditches is filled with water. The Moabites are defeated. The jars of the widow and her son are filled with oil. The Shunammite woman who was barren gives birth to a son. The boy is raised from the dead. The company of the prophets at Gilgal are saved from death by poisoning. Naaman is healed of his leprosy. The axe head floats. The Arameans are defeated. Do you think any of those things would have happened if Elisha had not gone all the way? Elijah and received a double portion of his spirit. Friend, have you ever calculated what you may have already missed in terms of God's plan for your life because you have camped at Gilgal, the place of beginnings? Or you have been willing in your Christian life to just stay at Bethel, the place of dreams and visions. Or you have rested at Jericho, the place of past victories, and you have never continued the journey into the fullness of the blessing of God. One day we will all stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and we will have to give an account of the way in which we have been obedient in this journey into the fullness of God. How's it with you tonight? Where are you camping? Or will you say with Elisha, God, there's no way that I'm going to stay where I am tonight in my spiritual experience. I want to move on. I want more of you, Lord. I want more of your grace. I want more of your power. I want more of your anointing. I want more of your Holy Spirit's fullness. I want more of the rule and reign of Jesus Christ in my life, and I will stop at nothing, cost what it may. I surrender my life to you, Lord, to take me day by day, onward and upward on this journey, forgetting what is past. I give everything that I have to know Christ in all of his fullness, to be filled with the Spirit of Jesus, and to know the fullness of the blessing of God, the God who is able
to take us as weak as we are and demonstrate His strength, His power, His authority, His blessing in our lives. My brother, my sister, there is no limit to what God can do in the life of one person who is willing to go all the way with Him. How far will you go with God? I pray tonight you will say with me, Lord, thank you that by your grace I've come this far. But I'm not satisfied to stay where I am tonight in my relationship with you, Lord. I want to move on with you day by day. And I'm willing, like Joshua and Caleb, to follow the Lord wholeheartedly. Isn't it astounding? Isn't it astonishing? Isn't it amazing? Isn't it awesome that out of about a million fighting men who left Egypt miraculously delivered by the hand of God, taken across the Red Sea on dry ground. Two of them, two of them, Joshua and Caleb, actually entered into the Promised Land. Do you want to be saved by the skin of your teeth? Or do you want to be among those like Elisha and Joshua and Caleb who will stop at nothing until you know that every day you are wholly yielded to the Lord Jesus Christ? being filled with the Spirit of God and wholly available to the Lord to take your life and consecrate it to Himself and use you in His service until Jesus comes again. Amen? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I believe that every one of us as your children, in the depth of our being, in our heart of hearts, if we are truly born again, we do not want to meet you empty-handed. We do not want to live this one precious God-given life and be unproductive, unfruitful, we want to be abounding in the grace of Jesus Christ. We want to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. We want to enter, like Joshua and Caleb, into the fullness of our inheritance as followers of Jesus. And so please help me and help each one of us tonight 
press on, to move on, to keep growing in the grace and experiential knowledge of Jesus and to become more and more effective, fruitful and productive as witnesses to the Lord Jesus Christ. Dear Father, give us a heart to follow you utterly and completely, unreservedly, unashamedly, uncompromisingly. May we meet you face to face and hear your well done, good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our closing hymn is 277 in our hymnal. Take my life and let it be. Is that correct? Yep. No, it's breathe on me, breath of God. I got the wrong one here. 241. Let's stand and sing that. And uh, if you'd like to respond this evening, if you'd like to maybe leave your seat and just come and kneel at the altar, just as a sign of the fact that you are saying, Lord God, here's my life. I just surrender utterly and completely to you tonight. Lord Jesus, I rededicate my life to you. And by faith, I receive you, Holy Spirit of God, to possess me, fill me, empower me, equip me, use me, Lord, use me to the glory of Jesus all of my days. If you'd like to respond, come forward, kneel down, pray, whatever you like to do. But we'll be here if you'd like us to pray with you. Let's stand and sing.